Uh, we are rolling. Three, two. You're listening to Missing Out with Lex Michael and Tari J. Let's start the show. Hey guys, welcome back to Missing Out. We here at Missing Out believe that media shapes the way that you view the world and the way that, you know, you interact with other people. And so we share that media and that art with one another. And we look back on all the things. One could say it's the retrospective that's introspective. This man does not speak for me. Oh, come on. Come on. This man is Tari J. You can find me at Tari J. That's T-U-R-I-J-A-Y. I am Lex Michael. I am all over social media at the Lex Michael. And we're joined by a special guest here. It is Teresa Bateman. There's a lot of energy here. <laughs> hey guys, thanks for having me. <laughs> um, and you can find Teresa all over social media at Bad Gal Teriri. Bad Gal Teriri. Yeah. B A D G A L T U H. R-I-R-I. Great. Um, <laughs> uh, Teresa is a stand-up comedian. Uh, she's she's big in the comedy scene, as far as I know. Um, yeah, no for one sure. dispute me. Yes, no, for sure. She, she's she always says talking she about. Yeah, she's always saying how great she is and how much people like really love her comedy. She was telling me this one time that this guy peed himself from laughing so hard at her stand-up. Yeah, that sounds just like me. Yeah, so I'm inclined to believe it. Was it you? Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Teresa has brought in a 1995 classic, Now and Then, starring Demi Moore, Christina Ricci, Rosie O'Donnell, Melanie Griffith. It is written and written by someone and directed by someone. <laughs> wow. Leslie Linka Gladder, who, all right, so uh, as all things on this show inevitably do, immediately we can take this back to David Lynch. I know Leslie Linka Gladder primarily as a television director. Directed, she's been been directing television for a very long time. Uh, still currently d- does uh, some Homeland every now and then. I know did some Mad Men. A lot of lot of very big, yeah. well known shows. But I first saw her name on a number of episodes of Twin Peaks that she originally directed. So I uh, immediately was like, okay, here's my here's my end. Nice, nice. Um, uh, so I guess right up top, right before we jump into the content of this movie, I want to know why. Why now and then? Of all, the, of all of the movies you possibly could have chosen, movies, uh, TV, albums, anything you could have picked, why why was it important for you to come in and talk about now and then specifically? Um, well, first off, because the other movie I would have had us do is super depressing, and um, I would like to keep it light. Oh, we love depressing. For, yeah. Uh, what no, was your, I just, can't. What I just, was the other option? It would have been Magnolia by Paul Thomas Anderson. Is Magnolia my super favorite. depressing? It is. It also represents a really like depressing time in my life, so anything I would talk about for that movie would just be, it would be a rabbit hole of sadness uh, that I don't want to get into. Fair, fair enough. But, yeah, you've obviously <laughs> never heard this, we'll this save show. It, we'll save That's it for, for when you come back. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, cool. Well, yeah, we can do that another time, but this was also... For me, it was like super formative for my childhood. I don't know. I loved it a lot as a kid. It's like also got one of the like funniest memories of um, an interaction with my father who passed away when I was really young. So I don't know. It's just it's super meaningful for me. And I feel like there's not a lot of coming of age 
movies that were centered around female characters, which I, so I really, really like it for that too. And I, I was obsessed with it as a kid. I saw it in theaters with my mom. And then I watched it all that like we got it as soon as we could on VHS back in the 90s. And I would watch it with my friends all the time. And then recently I've been talking to a lot of women my age as well who also felt that way about that movie. And I've been like really nostalgic about it lately. So I was like, you know what? Yeah, let's talk about this on the podcast. That should be fun. Um, that's It's funny that you say that because so I had never heard of this movie. Yeah. Um, which is not surprising to anyone because I haven't heard of lots of movies. But everyone who I mentioned to that I was going to watch it for the show was like, oh my gosh, I loved Now and Then. Yeah. Um, especially my roommate who we were talking about, uh, Christina Ricci. Mm-hmm. And because in this movie, there's a whole subplot about her and her boobs. Yeah. Um, and that was a conversation we had earlier because it was a whole thing in her career that they were taping down her boobs for all of her movies up through like Sleepy Hollow or something to that effect. Yeah. Um, but like, yes, everyone I've talked to, <laughs> especially like lady, millennial ladies, yeah, yeah. love this movie. For sure. Um, we feel seen with this movie. Oh. Well, also, yeah, they, I mean, something that I didn't even realize until I rewatched because I rewatched it before for the podcast. I rewatched it um, this past weekend. And something I didn't even realize, like, it, it's like the whole it's the whole movie centered around it but it didn't with all like the witchy stuff that's so in fashion right now and especially in the age of trump and stuff and women being like yeah we're witches and we're gonna hunt you down uh is like yeah i feel like it's also a phase that a lot of young girls go through like i know that me and my friends always like tried to have seances when we were around that age and like yeah. did all these like games to where we would try to like lift each other's arms without touching them and do all these mm. weird like sayings that were supposed to be magic and stuff like that. So I don't know, that plot point was really, um, really, I could relate to that a lot. Interesting. Yeah. I, I wonder now that you say that, I wonder if there is something to that in that, uh, in that moment as you were talking about it, all I could think is, are there other like, female powerful creatures of uh like in lore like i know that there are succubi but those are bad <laughs> i know that there are um sirens but they're bad yeah they're bad um there are <laughs> Not surprising. uh there's is is baba yaga but she's also bad so i guess witches are technically the only ones that like they represent a power that is held by these by females but mm-hmm. um can have either a positive or negative connotation. Yeah, exactly. Because you could be a good witch or a bad witch. And you could be, um, I mean, like even in Wizard of Oz, you know, the good witch and the bad witch. But witches, I feel like generally are always like, like for Halloween, if you're going to be a witch, it's going to be the evil kind of witch. But I don't know, like if you watch Practical Magic or um, what else is I think? Like, but the witches, bad witches, Practical Magic good witches mm-hmm. um i'm trying to remember charmed. i lived, I I lived charmed. for uh for a couple of years in salem and so i was around the wiccan community a whole bunch and oh, so wow. i'm trying to like reach back into my memory and pull any specific bits of information that i can from it i know very much about like the, the concept of um 
Wiccan culture and about earth magic and basically like magic is just a manifestation of will, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But some of them, some of them had a sense of humor about it. Some of them would like get real tight when you tried to ask them questions really? about, about like the stereotypical idea of which like the, the, the cartoony, like cackling witch right. type of thing. Around a cauldron. <laughs> Apparently, uh, uh, witches is acceptable. Uh, wizard, I suppose, is acceptable, but less commonly used. Mm-hmm. And warlock. Then the, warlock is is uh, reserved for people who choose to use their their magical connections or sensitivities for ill rather okay. than good. Apparently, mm. interesting. Because in D and D, a warlock is a person who's bored with their ability, or they make a pact with their like a deity of some sort. Whereas <laughs> like a witch or like a wizard is more studied magics. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> nope. Uh, so isn't, uh, but also isn't Gaia like the earth, the concept of earth as a mother, as a, a, a spiritual entity in and of itself, that's always identified as female. And that is, uh, as far as I understand it, positive. Yeah. Yes. Ma- mother nature. Yeah. Mm, look at that. Ooh. Now I'm just getting flooded with all these other movies. Like the craft is, <laughs> you know, good witches, but then kind of turn bad and there's good and bad magic. And then, um, did you ever see Halloween town on Disney channel? Yeah, of course. Yeah. I loved Halloween town. I get, I don't know. Is it, is it, is a thing? No, Girl, I totally get it. Be witches. When I say the word warlock or hear the word warlock, the image that immediately pops in my brain every it's single Kabar, time is, uh, is uh, Calabar. Calabar. That's specifically it. one of my favorite things in any, I was going to say Disney Channel original movie, and then I realized I saw a bunch of them, can barely remember any of them. So yeah. I'm going to broaden that scope. I'm going to say one of my favorite things in any movie I ever saw on the Disney Channel is that dude's delivery when he's up on his stage in like the movie theater where he's got all the zombies, and he's like, welcome <laughs> to my museum. I <laughs> love that so much. And literally every time I hear the word warlock, I get hit with this immediate mental image of him on that stage with his like cloak business all yeah. billowing around him. Like, I don't know why you have a wind machine in here. That seems really <laughs> impractical. Welcome, you have to come. yell your evil stuff over yeah. your wind machine. You're making oh it way harder God. than it needs to be. But every time I hear Warlock, I see that like Kate. I love that. And that guy who played Calabar, it's so funny because I feel like a lot of times like Disney Channel original movie actors are kind of separate from, they don't a ton of the time get like mainstream Hollywood work. So when I saw the guy who played Calabar in like an actual movie, I was like, Oh my God, good for him. I remember seeing him on TV somewhere else. And it took me a couple of minutes to piece together where I knew him from, but I had more or less the same thing. I'm like, wow, good for this yeah. guy. Oh yeah. man. I'm so happy for him. Guys. It's really hard to bridge that gap. It Unless is. your name is Hayden Panettiere. You're just not gonna. Was she in the Disney it. channel original movie? She was in like, she was in Remember the Was she? She was in yeah, Remember the she Titans. She was in the one where she's from South Africa and the other girl is uh, American. Oh my God, is she what is in that, that one? I remember I, this. No, so. that's not I could her. Be, I could be mistaken. That's not her. She's in a Disney Channel. What is the one movie. where I'm gonna look it up? Where the girl is adopted into a family, but she's like an alien and they're bubble people. What? Yes, swear to God, is the thing. And like her oh father is a person, but they're also bubble people. And when they're in their bubble form like a breeze could pop them and kill them so like there's this whole like she's living with the family and her i guess it's her father is like running around town being weird because he doesn't know how to pass as human Uh so like he's running around and he gets a look from people at one point like what's up with this dude and he goes we fear the wind and he runs away that's all i remember (laughs) from that movie too i don't remember that at all Uh, smart house right where that smart house smart house where the house is um 
Uh, it's like AI, yes, it's but Katie then it's like Katie Seagal. Yeah. Thank you. Yes. I don't know why I was just blanking on Katie Seagal. I was like married from, with children, Sons yeah. of Anarchy. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Leela. Um, there, yes. Yeah, that's right. isn't she also she just shoot me? She's in BoJack Horseman. Is she? Yes. No, I'm thinking of a different person. That's my bad. I'm thinking okay. of a different person. Never I'm, mind. But okay, <laughs> Hidden Panettiere was in a Disney Channel original. A Disney Channel original movie called Tiger Cruise. Got The it. premise of which, in the wake of the World Trade Center attacks, wow, Disney Channel. What? <laughs> a naval carrier with civilians on board is ordered in combat mode? What the shit? Interesting. Can we do this, that movie as okay. one of these? Are there leprechauns or a talking house in this one? No. Wasn't the first Wait, one the talking of? The, the, Luck of the Irish, yes, my uncle. with the leprechaun who plays basketball. My Uncle Henry is the grandpa in that movie. Really? Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. And wasn't the, ki- the kid, wasn't it the kid who's also in, is the kid who's also in Smart House or is this somebody else um, I think it's the yeah, same so kid. Yeah, he's the kid from Smart House. That kid is yeah. also in Halloween 8. And oh, he's in he? the one, and the... he's in Final Destination Three. Yes, he is with the one. That's the one with the roller coaster. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, yes. But yeah, he's yeah, also he dies in that. on the roller coaster. Speaking of Final Destination, <laughs> Scott Devin Sawa. Uh, yes, Devin Sawa is Scott uh, Worm Wormer. Yeah. in this movie that look we're how, talking about today. Look at how well today. you tied that all back. Oh, Thank that's you. so good. Yeah, it was Kudos like to you. six degrees. Be, if this was me by myself, there'd be no show. Like, we're here to talk about this and we'd never talk about it once. we talk about Disney Channel original movies every look, hour. Yeah. I'm here for that show, but I just, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta I do, though. I wanna, I wanna talk about this movie because there was so much in this movie that genuinely made me giggle i told um i told my girlfriend that i was sitting down to watch this and she knew of it it wasn't like a big fixture in her childhood other mm-hmm. than like she has uh, three older sisters and her sisters love this okay. movie have the same like hardcore nostalgic attachment women to of it. a certain age that it sounds like that it sounds like you have um yeah but she never i think specifically because her sisters were so into it she yeah. didn't she just there was like a natural resistance that right, she started course. to feel towards it. I totally get that. But I said to her, it was like, I feel like I know exactly because of the type of movie it is as far as just a, a coming of age story where they're trying to balance like some lightness with a little bit of like real coming of age type drama. Yeah. But m- made in, came out in 95, it would have had to have been made probably late 94 to early 95. So given the time that it was made, I made some assumptions about exactly how the movie was going to feel aesthetically. Yeah. That turned out to be entirely correct. I was very <laughs> pleased about that. Um, it feels 90s as as shit. And that um, sweet, sweet voiceover. <laughs> yes. And so that's, that's very, very, very 90s in the way it handles delivering yeah, ex- exposition. Exactly. One of the first notes I have in here is just opening exposition, dump voiceover. Yeah. And there would be all of these scenes where where these girls were just allowed to be girls and things were just happening it's it's one of the other things that i have in my notes is it feels like nothing is happening in this movie Mm -hmm. and yet so much is happening in this movie and then you'd get you'd get these long scenes and sequences of just that of these like uh uh, snapshots of life and Mm -hmm. of, of growing up as as a young girl and then every so often every like 25 minutes or so the movie will stop completely so that one character can can give a bunch of exposition either to other characters <laughs> or to the audience sometimes yeah. in the form of the demi Moore voiceover that weirdly goes away for yeah. a long it just stretch comes of in at random this movie, right and then yeah. it comes back to be like and this is what's important and this is what yeah. we learn. It is funny. It is so clunky in that way, which I was like, when I was rewatching it, I was like, oh God, this voiceover, Jesus. And, but, because I also just like, as a rule, don't, I'm not a huge fan of voiceover in films unless it's like really 
done right. I right, don't know yeah. how to like like Blade Runner. Yeah, or <laughs> sure. I don't. No. I haven't, no, I haven't seen the latest <laughs> no, Blade Runner. It's bad. Blade oh, Runner twenty forty nine is amazing. The original theatrical cut of Blade Runner, the original Blade Runner with the voiceover, is something. Is something. It really. It sounds like Harrison um, Ford had a gun on him. While I he read had to the read book. I didn't see the film, but I did read the book. So. Oh, oh man. <laughs> Not on purpose. I just. I had to read it for college, and then I never saw the movie. But uh, no, I can't think of a good example of like how I like voiceover because I so rarely do. But yeah, so that was like, I was like, oh man. But that being said, I was like, hey, you know what? Demi Moore, good job with that delivery because you're you're selling it better than it should be able to be sold right now. Exposition is notoriously very hard to deliver when you have to, as an actor, when you have to deliver passages that exist for no reason other than to impart story information to really indirectly to the audience. Yeah. It's real tough to make that sound alive at all. So yeah, I I do agree, even though crazy clunky as far as the writing and the insertion into the movie yes agree that she actually does a really great job making it feel like right like it's carrying us as opposed to something that we just have to sit with for seven to ten seconds yeah and i even like i really resent in the opening when she's like she wasn't a chick who made a pact with her friends when she was 12 i was like okay why are you so mad about this yeah like relax well she just she doesn't want to go to her hometown and i I get that feeling but it's also i don't know find out too it's like none of them are actually they they set it up as if it's like you know we made a promise that we'd always get back together if one Mm -hmm. of us really needed it and so it's like they, they build it up in such a way and they don't spend the whole movie building to it but they build it up in that first voiceover to such an extent that i went oh is somebody like is dying, dying yeah. or did somebody lose a parent or a spouse or is somebody like losing their home whatever and we got almost to the very end of this movie and i put in my notes i'm like wait what are they all what are they all getting together yeah. again <laughs> to and then watch the birth of her child <laughs> right when the reveal is that she's she's having uh chrissy is having her baby then more so even i'm going why are you so mad yeah why are you so resentful of right. this of your friend having this child this beautiful moment in all of your lives but it's also so kind of weird to like record quest for people to come witness the birth of your child because uh, i feel like first off you're crowding that delivery room for sure yes. that's a crowded delivery room but also it's like yeah you have a due date and all but you don't know when it's actually gonna come so they just kind of have to like be there for an come, open-ended come amount of time, time just like come for stay this week. until this baby's born and right. you're just lucky that it happened the day you got there but i feel like they're these are uh comfortable they all seem financially stable and their characters in a 90s movie so presumably whatever job they have will just be there yeah, they're all just successful. They could be gone for literally for a decade, and their job would just be that when they came back into the office, everybody would be like, they'd applaud. They'd be like, we were so worried about <laughs> We kept your chair for 10 years, and it'd be a very sweet, like, heartwarming sequence. And if you took half a step, <laughs> half a step back from it, you'd go like, oh, this is bullshit. Um, but that's, yes, that's how I envision it. So they could probably, they could do an indefinite period. And it's kind of funny, too, that they're like, I don't know, it's like Rosie O'Donnell, uh, who is the grown-up Christina Ricci, her character's just like any kind of doctor and these kids walk by and they're like hey doctor whatever but she's and cool I'm like, she can spin the basketball I'm like but wait she's an OBGYN if she's delivering a baby she is a gynecologist like OBGYN and that's not gonna be a person who's also gonna be a pediatrician I feel like they're two different 
no 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 things, she's a 90s right? movie doctor so she's just yeah. like any kind of yeah she's just covers all and they're in like small town indiana they're like we just have one doctor she does everything but i love i love <laughs> that she's she's a doctor and like as you're saying like clearly versed in almost any field of medicine that one could think of but i also love the little touches that let us know like when the kids say hi to her and they toss her the basketball yeah. and rosie o'donnell does the spin it's just literally like your hardcore lampshading like yeah she's white collar but she's not lost touch with her blue collar roots yeah yeah you can relate <laughs> to this doctor of all things um <laughs> She'll i like swing the, some b-ball with the kids every once in a right? while right and i liked um i did think it was interesting uh, especially because some of these young actresses uh, we've gotten to watch grow up on screen. These mm-hmm. actresses are still working now. We know what they look like 20 years yeah, on. So it's definitely. interesting to see like, I had a I had a tough time early in the movie with the idea that Christina Ricci grew up into Rosie oh, O'Donnell, yeah. for example. I always had a I had problem with that even as a kid. I do think though it is to the credit of this movie that by the time I got to the end of the movie, of course physically the two of them don't resemble each other in the slightest, but the way they're playing that character, I actually I got to the end of the movie and I went okay. I I, I feel like uh, yeah. Rosie O'Donnell's face was really well like crafted to Christina Ricci. So, like, if Christina Ricci had... In- yes. <laughs> when when no, Leslie no. Lincoln Gladder was remolding the faces of her entire cast. Yes. That's how you do it when you're when you're doing match casting. It's very expensive. Just- this was actually a $300 million movie in the <laughs> mid-90s because of all of the facial reconstruction on all of these actresses. It was worth it because it really worked out. Especially Chrissy, who I feel like it looks nothing like her nothing. Uh, younger version. Just no. the red hair. That's it. Yeah. Um, so they had, they were, they fixed her face to look exactly like young Christy. And she was like, uh, I changed my mind. And so they put it back and that's why it doesn't look the same, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was what doubled that expense is, uh, cause they had to do it once and do it again. Faces are really Very expensive movie. Wow. You learn new things every day. Now I'm thinking about which which you didn't. I'm going to try to keep this uh, free of specific spoilers as much as I can, but I'm thinking about that scene in Blade Runner 2049 where the, the replicant, the familiar face emerges, but because there's a tiny, tiny, almost imperceptible flaw, this replicant just gets shot in the head, and they're like, all right, we'll wheel out the next one. There was a lot of that <laughs> on the production of this movie. Yeah. Oh, sounds great. That's a lot of fun. Yeah. Was it a woman? <laughs> Makes sense. <laughs> in one in Blade Runner? Yeah. <laughs> Uh jeez. <laughs> um so I I actually thought that there were going to be more jumps between the past and the future. Yeah, at mm-hmm. a certain point I was surprised at how much it felt like the older more prominent actresses w- were doing extended cameos essentially. Right. Yeah, they really were. I mean, it's mostly the young stuff, which I I yeah, so it's really just bookended with them being older like beginning and the end. Yeah. Though like Oops. Um, <laughs> though that to me kind of made some of the scenes um, less suspenseful. Like, there's a scene where Sam gets trapped in a gutter. Yeah. Um, the and weird, like, like the it scene. Yeah. yeah. So I was about to say you wanted to be like the original it, where it's going back and forth. Well, there were a lot of like everything involving the mystery of Dear Johnny, um, and like what they were doing during their tracking of it 
felt very it like them being in the well, library. A lot of it with mm-hmm. the kid with the kids and the coming of age element and the coming of age element dealing with like did somebody die? How did somebody? Die? It felt uh, very Stand by Me ish as well. Yeah, yeah. It's it was definitely of- the Stand by Me for girls. Like that's kind of what a lot of people like. I I described it that way to somebody last night, and then they were like, I feel like I've heard other people say that too. I feel like that's just like the general note. Right. But the, and there were weird Four moments. Twelve like, year olds. Yeah, and it was punctuated by other moments that felt very king like mm-hmm. like specifically mm-hmm. that sequence with the sewer when like crazy pete saved like a reverse pennywise saves her right yeah yeah um poor crazy pete <laughs> oh yeah they he he was like the uh the shovel guy in home alone where like he's painted <laughs> out to be this monster or, or yeah. like the bird lady bird in home lady alone totally yeah. the bird lady in home alone too children are afraid of old of people, old people. <laughs> it's just like he's old and he rides a bike he must be crazy <laughs> but i did i did really like it got it led us to my favorite moment of the voiceover in the entire movie where demi moore's voice jumps back in and says and that night we caught a glimpse of a hero in Crazy Pete. <laughs> <laughs> I like that quite a bit. Uh, but I have in my notes, too, exactly what you just said. Poor Crazy Pete is just a f- individual line in my notes. <laughs> um, I, uh, though, so there, you, speaking of the, it leading to this really interesting piece of voiceover, um, I really liked that that line from Sam where she was talking about how Pete said that thing to her, which I forget, something to the effect of like, blah, 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 you move on, blah, 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 life is good and bad things, blah, blah, blah. I didn't write the quote down. It <laughs> was, it, was it the, the part where she goes back and she sees him at the headstone and, and it's revealed that like that was his family? Like, um, was it in that scene? Yeah, it was yeah. in that scene. Which, by the way, apparently Sam, in 20 years, never mentioned yeah, to anybody what the else. Fuck? That we was spent a, thing. a whole summer unraveling this mystery, and I found right. the answer, and I told none of you. And that's what it's like. It's just like a community. Oh, by the way, you know, do you guys know he was Dear Johnny's father? And they're all like, what? <laughs> this but they're whole all like, time? What? For like a second. Yeah. They're all like, what? Oh, my God. And you never told us? Okay, moving on. Yeah. Um, I actually. By the way, he died. I like <laughs> that because his whole thing was he just wanted to be left alone. Like, because for them, I think it was it was a big secret. But for him, I imagine every time he went out during the day, people would stare at him and be like, you failed your family. And then a guy in a green hood would come out and be like, you failed your family. <laughs> and he'd be like, I don't know, this seems out of uh, genre. It's, it's, um, it's the hood. But <laughs> you look like the mayor. <laughs> yeah. um, but I, so I liked that. Instead of telling her friends and having them also go up to him and be like, yo, you're Jonna's daddy? She she let them have their moment and like let him be left alone to his own devices until the day he died. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Um, I, I enjoyed But not it. even teeny like they're, you know, like because it was like this group of four friends is sectioned off into two and two where teeny and Sam were best friends and Chrissy and Roberto were best friends. Mm-hmm. Like she didn't even tell teeny. That seems crazy to me. <laughs> I would never be able to keep a secret like that from my best friend. Oh yeah. Yeah. Hmm. I feel like maybe she felt like it wasn't her place to tell, but that's really emotionally intelligent for a 12 year old. Not to say it's impossible, but I just feel like it's not that likely. Well, and I also wondered, did, did, teeny or anybody else at no point ask like hey what were you doing when you ran back into the cemetery alone and hung out there for like 10 minutes yeah what was happening there 
what was, what's going on? And she was just like, I was jerking it. Ew. And then like they were just up. like, you know what? I don't want to. I don't want to talk about this. In the Let's... cemetery. <laughs> it's, come it's on. It's like her new thing. And then like it, that's it, when I became a total perv. <laughs> right. And then that's why she's always wearing black in the future. Is because mm-hmm. she's like, I'm soups into cemetery jerking it. Um, I don't Smokes know why. Lots of cigarettes. She's totally. like, I can't wait to die. Se- can I have the new tagline for the show? Yeah, totally. Soups in the cemetery, jerking it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like we'll we'll just like draw strike a line through retrospective that's introspective. Super yeah. into cemetery, jerking it right under it, like in, in red marker. Well, duh. Yeah. <laughs> like it's drawn in blood. Um, gross. Um, oh man. Um, so <laughs> another thing that I really. Uh, thought was interesting was this idea of so uh in the timeline of the real world the one that we exist in mm-hmm. um thanksgiving just occurred yeah um and this idea of like going home being like because we all of us at this table aren't originally from los angeles where this is being recorded mm-hmm. um and so at a certain point we may go home to our hometowns and they might go, oh, man, you guys making it big out there in Hollywood? I'm touching everyone at the table now. <laughs> um, and kind of... Is that what happens when you go home? Uh, yes. Well, sort of. Does everybody touch you on the shoulder very tenderly and go, oh, you, you, you make it, you're making it big out there in, yep. in big, big land town, big place? In La La Land. That's what oh, the yeah. movies all say. Oh, yeah. You yeah. dance like that? Do, you yeah. thing, do that? do that thing Gosling does on the poster. Do it with the arms. Do it. Oh, yeah. Uh, Can you float when you dance? And they're just like, I what? I down there. Oh, um, yikes. Um, <laughs> That's no, another we, sweet We moved to reference. LA and we all live in this super. <laughs> uh, which, if you think about it, ellipses. Mm, I am thinking about it. Um, Dot. But uh, <laughs> Dot. Uh, I just I like this I this these moments that we get that like because the whole movie is essentially just one big flashback as they're like getting back together. But like just by the end of the movie, they've all started to part ways as as friends and they're also like becoming their own individual selves and i feel like so two of them stayed and two of them left and them coming back together they don't really have a lot that they still have in common at this point and it like really makes me think of when you go home for like holidays and reconnecting with those people who stayed in your hometown and like you feel like you have all this ambition and you're moving forward and they feel like they're doing the same thing but it's it totally is in different ways yeah um and i feel like that's reflected in this movie what do for you for sure think? yeah i mean I, I it's funny because no it's true and i relate a lot to the like uncomfortable being like oh i'm back in my hometown again like that uh i feel like teeny and sam both feel pretty weird being back and like oh wow this house is exactly like it was when your mom lived here you haven't done anything you just want to live in your childhood forever but yeah i don't know because i i'm one of the only people like one of my only friends who left philly Mm -hmm. um and so i feel that way i don't know um but yeah and people back home think i'm way more successful than i actually am right just like from social media because i'm actually like i'm on shows but they think they're way bigger deals than they actually are i'm like like, no like everyone shows throws a show in their backyard yeah you get out here and you realize like when you start hearing from people that that you knew from other places like you realize how much cooler everything out here looks if you're not out here doing it right 
Yeah, because they'll be like, you have a podcast? Yeah. Holy mackerel. Like, you know, if you have like, a computer and a microphone, yeah. you can have a podcast. Like, everybody has a podcast. I guarantee you, if you walk one city block in Los Angeles, yeah. you will meet 12 podcasters. Oh, 100%. Right. This is the second podcast I've recorded in the last like couple weeks. And it's not, I mean, like the last one was cool too, but I'm like, yeah, no, but it's not like how did this get made or something like that? You know what I mean? This is better than how did this get made? You get out. <laughs> Teresa has left. You don't follow her. <laughs> Whatever. I think this podcast is great. I'm happy to be here. <laughs> um, you, could, you could put the gun down. Okay. All right. I'm sorry. I just get really riled up. This is my baby. Take things very, no, very it's personally. Great. And I believe in its uh, journey towards success we're all about efficacy here that's, that's i'm just we, a realist we had we had one meeting before we launched this show we had a notepad between us and on it one word block font efficacy and that was the entire meeting we just <laughs> we just stared at that page for an hour didn't speak just absorbed it oh yeah and it really it really shines through in every episode <laughs> Oh, Jesus. So there's a close-up of a bird pooping in this movie. Yeah. I was very very impressed. Gotta note that one. No, I was actually very unironically impressed by this. I was like, so did you just set the camera there for hours? They just waited for that bird to shit, but maybe birds just shit a lot. Um, Don't they shit and pee at the same time? That's like the whole thing. That's why it's just... Is that a bird thing? Uh, Probably. Yeah, I think that their excrement is just all one and it comes out. Right, right, right. It's like in those, like, it's like every soda machine where, like, the syrup and the right, soda comes the, out. Yeah. And then when they get to your cup, they are one being. <laughs> think about that next time you get bird, next That's time great. you get soda. I you will not. Right, always with the analogies. I will not be thinking about that ever Please again. Do. That's That's how it works. That's how bird poop is. Just imagine a little tiny soda bird in that machine. <laughs> and then no, oh my like, God. It's like the Flintstones. Oh, my God. Like, he's in there. We think there's, like, a modern system of mechanism <laughs> delivery, but it's just a bird. And, like, you do the you do the x-ray shot of it where you could see the inside, like, in a bubble, and the yeah. bird just looks bored, and he's like, it's a living, and then, like, poops some more. Right. <laughs> that's ex- that's how it works. Soft serve, too. Okay. Anyway, how away, many, from the, away from the bird poop. How many motion pictures in cinema history include both a bird pooping in close-up and Brendan Fraser smoking up children? Yo, right? That's what I was, like, thinking about when I rewatched it. I was like, this is kind of weird. This, but, like, it's There's cool, a tiny but... overlap on that Venn diagram. Yeah. And I think it's only now and then. It's Unless yeah. I missed something in The Mummy. And Brendan Fraser was hot shit back in the, the, that era of the 90s he had yeah. this window like, he just and has I think this great this great like five minute scene when was the the mummy was what like 97 because i want to say I mummy 97 or 98 well yeah. i want to say mummy returns was 99 i think I'm guys i don't know it up. It's, it's it's too bad that we do this live and we can't use use the mummy editing true. magic to... the original mummy is 99 and then the sequel really? is 2001 Ooh, i was off by two years look at you we're gonna take back your your credentials. Two thousand one. You remember? You remember Lobster Rock? Hey, what? You remember Lobster Rock? Yes, I loved Lobster Rock. Lobster Rock. What? Rock Lobster. What? Well, Rock Lobster say. is the B fifty two song, and I don't want to get sued. So Got it. He's, yes. He's I mean, rock. for the purpose of this conversation, with, I meant it with so a Q. R O Q. We're doing a dumb bit. It's no, did you see in, in Mummy Returns when like the Rock is there as Scorpion King for the prologue, and then comes back as this r- r- weird, hideous lobster oh, centaur yeah. hybrid? It's been so long since I've seen 
the mummy movies. Oh, it's something. But I do remember uh, that. So my, <laughs> what do you think Arnold Vosloo is doing right now? <laughs> He's recording a podcast. Um, my note for that scene yes. um, with Brendan Fraser is that guy wants to fuck those girls. Um, is that your note? <laughs> yeah, that's my note. That's what I was like. Well, I mean, I felt more like. Writing it down like. <laughs> I felt more like Teeny was like, yeah. I got a crush on this dude. And they're all trying to impress him, of course. Yeah. But like, and he's like, he's just like, sure, I'll talk to these kids, I guess. He doesn't, he's never feels inappropriate to me, except for like, he offers them cigarettes. But I guess in the seventies, it's not that weird that these kids are smoking at 12. Right. Well, and um, you, as you say too, like, like teeny. And now that I'm thinking about it, very sexually fixated for a lot of this movie. Yeah. I mean, I think it's kind of cool that they show, it's like a varying, all of them are a little different. Like Sam just doesn't really care. Roberta's like anti. She like, doesn't want to go through puberty. She hates that She's growing boobs. Um, Chrissy is like very prudish and then Teeny's like yeah I can't wait to date and like I wish my boobs were bigger and I because I know that I know lots of my friends like I kind of I was kind of like Roberta and that I like developed early and was like kind of ashamed of it and then my friends always were like stuffing their bras with tissue paper like when we were 12 and 13 so it's like Mm. pretty realistic I think in that regard. Did you guys ever get up to the point where you started doing pudding balloons? No but the idea did uh it occurred. Did occur because of that movie. That seems so challenging logistically. Yeah, I feel like they'd yeah. pop. Like the only easy part of that would be putting pudding into the balloon, and that wouldn't even be that but easy. How that sounds that, like an I ordeal. I feel like you'd have to have like a faucet that came out with pudding. And if you like had a pudding faucet in your home, you couldn't think of anything else to do with it but fill balloons? Yeah. No, guys, the way you do it is you get a funnel, and then you, you put it in the funnel. Oh, it I fills guess that's up, true. And then you refrigerate it. That's how you make. Wow, Tari boob knows pudding. about fake. <laughs> then are you chilly <laughs> the whole time? What? But are you chilly the whole time then? No, no, no. Only at the beginning, right? Or you just like have them in your hand. You like you like hand warm them. Then you're just like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like putting, just like jumping in the pool. You know, you it it hits you at, at first, <laughs> and then you're you're cool with it. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Um, you let me. You let me is, know how that works. <laughs> this has been your pudding boob tutorial. Pudding boob, pudding boob. Brought to Instead you of pudding by. Pops. Oh God, never mind. Pudding. What pudding sponsor can we get? Um, I mean, I think Jello would Making love to pudding be cool part again. of part of this. Yeah. Do people still eat pudding? Um, not since the Bill Cosby thing. Yeah. Oh, that's a good point. Let, we'll I, take. We're gonna take pudding back. Um. Yeah. 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 One thing I liked in this movie too is like. I'm just gonna steer it away from putting boobs. Um, is <laughs> how do. much there, I feel like it was like a lot of times that they wanted to emphasize just how much ten dollars was in the seventies. They're like, "Come on, it's ten dollars," and they're like, "We're giving ten dollars to this psychic lady," and it's just so <laughs> funny to me. Like, yes, we know that there is a uh, uh, inflation's happened, and ten dollars <laughs> was well, I a also, lot more. I also figured it was more. From the kids' perspective, $10 is a lot. Like, especially because oh, I imagine too. they didn't get a lot of, uh, especially like the, la- they seem like latchkey kids. So I don't know if they got a lot of allowance. Mm-hmm. They probably, any anything that they could scrounge up, like mowing someone's lawn or stealing it from the boys. Right. Um, they're like, oh, this is all the life savings I have. Right, because they want the treehouse as yeah. the ultimate goal. They are all latchkey kids, I think, except for Chrissy. Yeah, I mean, but. Even her, she was allowed to go to a cemetery at night with no supervision. None of them were allowed. They all snuck out. 
they had a intricate that's another thing i really love they have this intricate system of communicating with each other they've got the pulley with the bell yeah the flashlight and the walkie-talkie because i feel like so much walkie-talkies are like marketed as such a guy or boy thing Mm -hmm. and so i was like yeah look at this it's like because you know it's a big part of like stranger things all the kids walkie-talkie each other and i'm like yeah look at these badass 12 year old girls with their whole system it's really cool well i had i had a thought a couple of times while i was watching it and i think it really started to solidify in my brain it was the scene where i think they're playing softball right and christina ricci just punches the one dude in the face um i had this thought where i went oh wow this was 95 and this movie is having the same conversation that we're essentially having now about uh conforming to or refusing to conform to specific gender roles for example yeah just one of several things that this movie touches upon and we're still having those exact same conversations like two decades later yeah but it was only because i think technology finally caught up to the conversations we were having connected so many people all over the world so we could all have that conversation all at once that it feels like yeah same conversation only now do we start to see things changing but i was Mm -hmm. really fascinated by the fact that yeah this movie from from 95 is talking about those exact things. Yeah. And yeah, because they're always like, Roberta, why don't you just act like a girl? Or like, you're a lady. <laughs> Remember, you're a lady. And she's like, hell no. Not me. <laughs> she did say that <laughs> with her action. But what's also kind of funny is like, I don't know. Uh, she also is like the first one to have a kiss. And she's the one who's so like railing against being a girl and like liking boys and all that stuff. Yeah. Speaking of Devin Sawa, total '90s hunk for all the girls who grew up watching this movie. This and Casper, the pairing of him and Christina Ricci was like I was I fangirled real hard this about was that. The as a same kid. year as Casper. Um. Yeah, I think so, or, or the year before. I think, within, I think like, Casper a year was also '95. Casper was my jam I when I was I like six. And her, yeah, and Devin Sawa was like, I all my friends as kids like had huge crushes on Devin Sawa. But then when we saw Final Destination, we were like, ooh. Um, <laughs> who is he in Casper? Was he Casper? Yeah, no, he was Casper. Wait, he's Casper? He was the human embodiment of Casper at the end when he becomes a boy for like the dance that, oh. and then kisses Christina I didn't Ricci. know that in my head there's not even a Casper actor. He's just yeah. a cartoon ghost. He's a cartoon for <laughs> all but the last like few minutes of the they, and they dance together and they dance yeah yeah and, and then, she's like floating above and then and then uh uh, uh bill pullman's like ghost wife comes back and it's like yeah. it's all okay spoilers for casper um, <laughs> yeah wow i used to i used to be all about this movie i haven't thought about it and eric idol is in this movie and he Kathy is Moriarty. there are so many crazy cameos in casper i watched this like i bought it on blu-ray last year because it was on sale for like five dollars at target and then i watched it and i was like what the hell? There's cameos from Dan Aykroyd Isn't, in a Ghostbuster Ghostbuster? Yeah. 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 There's fucking Eric Idle is like one of the main characters. Like, uh, I think Alec Baldwin has a cameo at one point or something like that. There's some like, or like Sting or somebody. There's just like the most, because at one point, whenever one of the ghosts like possesses Bill Pullman's character, he keeps like splashing water in his face and he's, he's a like, different person he like every Rodney time. Rodney Dangerfield once. Yes, he's Rod- Rodney Dangerfield Clint once. Eastwood and one Clint Eastwood, that's what I'm thinking of. He's Clint Eastwood at some point, Rodney Dangerfield. It's like. Why am I not watching Casper right now? And I was now? like, what? <laughs> These cameos are insane. <laughs> That's like a lot of money to spend for such a small scene in a movie, I feel like, too, because you have to pay all those big stars. I mean, maybe some of them were favors, though. They're True. like, yo, this is this is current IP. This is guaranteed eyeball, son. Mm. Everyone <laughs> loves Casper the Friendly Ghost. 
be in my movie, get some exposure. You know what I'm saying? This is before exposure culture, so we doing it first, son. And this is like child Devin Sawa saying all of this. Oh, yeah, and yeah. like the producers are just standing there like, just let him do it. Just let him do it. Just let him get it out. Oh, my God. That Yeah. Um, circling back to um, covering the same issues now, or now that were covered back in then. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's how that those words are said. Um we on we on this other on this show before um, have talked about other movies around the same era. I think uh, Set It Off came out around the same time as well, and we were talking about how the issues in Set It Off um, that were discussed, you know, people black people getting shot in the streets and things of that sort, mm-hmm. are also still conversations we're having now. Flip you side to so that coin. No, no, no. I'm trying to piece together. Wasn't Major Pain the same year too? Uh, yes. Great. I, I don't know if you know this, but a Super lot of relevant. my formative movies came from 95, 96. Um, that was a big time for me, guys. Mm-hmm. It was a really big time. Um, and like, But anyways, <laughs> in that discussion, we were talking about how progress is slow. Yes. So slow. Yes. Because I remember, like, I think the first time I saw Do the Right Thing was uh, in early college. Mm-hmm. And like police brutality was in the conversation and that wasn't even as much as it is now like black lives matter as a movement didn't exist yet right and i like sobbed uncontrollably when i watched do the right thing because i was like why hasn't anything changed it takes a little it goes back to what i was saying before i think now we are fine look at look at how quickly like once uh Harvey got outed. Look at how quickly we start to see a lot of these other sexual predators being taken down. And I think that's in large part due to the ease of communication, mm-hmm. how quickly so many people can get this information out to each other, can share these realities. We can document truths and, and immediately uh, disseminate them on the widest possible scale. And I think that's what was missing. I think in the absence of that instant communication, big groups of people can be as deeply angry uh, about it and driven to incite some type of change. But if we can't keep this conversation alive on the biggest possible scale, then these things tend to dissipate and, and move away from the cultural conversation at times in a way that I don't think is as easy to do anymore. I think it's a lot harder to drop these things. And that's of course for the better because that's when you see change. I mean, that's true, but it's also because, like, I mean, Yes, All Women was a thing, like, years ago, and that kind of died out, and and I was reading an article recently, too, that's, like, the the reason it's even as much in the conversation right now or actual consequences are happening is still because of how much power the women doing the accusing have as well. Like, lots of A-list actresses are the ones saying this, and so people are more likely to believe them because they're still in such a huge position of privilege, and most of them are white, so it's it's still not, like... Oh, because only because of this like spread of information. Because if that were true, then yes, all women women wouldn't have died as as much as it did. But it's like I mean, it's both. It's well, yeah. I don't know. The women who are like coming forward are like have a lot of money and power as well. And right, I think a it's, lot less to lose by coming out. Yeah, I think it's a double edged sword. So essentially. Yes, uh, gesturing towards Lex. We have more communication in that uh, before a lot of these incidences happened in a vacuum. Like people were able to be paid off because there was there was no way to get the word out that these things were happening. Um, and now, like it's it's not anecdotal. It's not whispers um, behind the scenes. It's these people who are using their platform to come out. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, with this 
new form of communication. It also breeds kind of a sense of, uh, I guess, everything that happens has an expiration date because we're constantly moving. We're constantly advancing forward Mm -hmm. just in terms of there there is that that flip side of that coin, right? Yeah. Is that there is so much information that it's real easy to get drawn to the big thing today. And then suddenly we're not talking about the big thing from a week ago. Yeah. Like the several shootings that have happened in the last like month or so like that, like those get drowned out because of, but it's like so many things. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yes. But I, I think that as so the issue, the, I mean, part of it, I'm, I, I'm, I'm forming thoughts with these weird noises. Um, but I think a big part of it is now that we're able to bubble these things to the surface, we can we can kind of scoop them out as they come. So like there was a there's a big uh, analogy that people use where it's like the well is poisoned. And, and there was a, a big comic that was really able to illustrate this by comic i mean uh like a web comic not like a comedian um (laughs) but it's essentially of these two people standing on a shore and someone points out that there's poison in the water and that it should be scooped out and the other person takes them below the surface and and shows them that the the poison is deep 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 in the ocean and we're only really seeing the the little pieces that bubble up Mm -hmm. and i feel like now we're able to kind of scoop out large chunks sift through them and then moving forward the water can just start to cleanse itself through but like our diligence is what keeps us being able to scoop those out um that was my analogy. Are these? <laughs> you're making scooping motions yes, with your hands. Yes, I'm little... scooping. I'm scooping all the bad garbage you're doing people out. Tender. Yeah, you're getting <laughs> just scoot handfuls of Nazis, just like taking. Yeah, them yeah, yeah. Just yeah. <laughs> um, I because it, it's it's nuanced. You got to be really nuanced about the way you do it. Tell you what, man. I know it's not necessarily an original observation, but 2017, and we're still trying to figure that Nazi problem out. Um. Yeah. You know, it's. I mean, I, yep. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Uh, so, so, you know, who um, wasn't worried about Nazis, these young girls no. coming of age in the seventies. Great so, transition. Such bring, a smooth it's, transition. It's, it's incredible how versatile, you know, who's not worried about Nazis is as a transition. Yeah. Uh, this is like peak, just like safe white suburbia in the seventies. Yeah. Um, I will say so, because I, I don't know if there's going to be a totally organic place to drop this into the conversation. I wanted to reference, uh, the, the point in the movie that I actually felt the most emotionally affected by for a couple of different reasons. There's the scene where Sam is finally talking about, it's talking to teeny about her, her family and how, how deeply affected she is by the mm-hmm. fact that her dad left. Yeah. And I really, really liked Teeny's approach to trying to cheer up her friend because it's something that I, I know I can relate to very directly, which is using essentially using pop culture references as a yeah. touchstone for why it's like you're not that screwed up or you're not alone or mm-hmm. it's somebody out there can relate to this experience yeah. because look, they told a whole story about it. But I really, I really liked that. But I also really liked the the fact that all the examples that she gave, um, like Brady Bunch, Partridge Family, My Three Sons, Bonanza, Beverly Hillbillies, all of the examples that she gave were cases where uh, the spouse of the remaining party had passed away. Mm-hmm. And uh, Sam's got that line where she points out, all those parents died, Teeny. My dad chose to leave. And then the friends embrace, and then she's crying. She says, I really miss him. That 
that got me. Yeah. That actually, that messed me up a bit. Yeah. And I was not prepared. Like, I was enjoying this movie, but it felt like something that I could watch fairly passively. Yeah. Until I got to that point and suddenly I went oh okay so so low-key this movie had me the entire time and I didn't realize yeah and that's something too that I I felt as it is like I could relate to this movie so much too just in the like oh like one of the characters has a dead parent and one of the other because like my dad passed away when I was young and then another character had a parent who left so they're all kind of struggling with their trying to seem like normal families which I know that I tried to do as well as a kid like no 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 this is normal I'm normal totally especially when you're surrounded by what you think because everybody does that you think everybody is more normal than you are Mm -hmm. so just yeah and and just calling that out even if you, because you don't necessarily notice, because the Brady Bunch, even though, oh yeah, they both are like widow, widows and widower who got together and their families merged, is you're not thinking about that when you're watching it. You're just thinking like, oh, these two people fell in love and oh yeah, they each had kids on their own when it started and now they're just a happy family. But no, I don't know. I never, no. I, don't, I just trail off. I don't have the good endings to what I'm saying. Hey. <laughs> but you see what I'm saying. <laughs> I think you just need just, you like know, a, your I'm own like my, custom ending. I know my I brain think, is like, uh, that's we need, it. We need a sound effect we can drop in. Right. Like, you know that sound when like uh, in a cartoon when somebody flashes their, their teeth, like big pearly white teeth and oh, you get like that the, little ding. Yeah. We just need one of those. Yeah. I feel like though. I or feel a like, gong. Ooh. We need a gong. I take back the teeth thing. We need a gong. And just whenever <laughs> you trail off, we just go boom. Or just like play that music that plays anytime that um, the dad in in full house makes a point to his kids at the end of the episode like yeah and i'm just like and that's what and that's what i'm saying (laughs) and then that's it um (laughs) i'll see if i can add that in post i'll see if i can just weave it in in, and just like i'd like in my mind though i'd like to imagine that we have it play and then come back to you as if you had been talking for like an hour yeah exactly and you're just like and then yeah i mean I really, I love it. I love all of these things. <laughs> um, oh, man. Um, yes, though, I, I, until they started listing off all of those things, had never thought about how all these people had dead siblings. I think the only one that I've thought of in which did, I don't know if it existed at the time of this movie, but like Full House, no, I guess it didn't exist in the time that they were um, in the 70s. But like Full House, like Danny Tanner's wife is, is dead. dead. Yeah, and then he has to have his like, his wife's brother, Uncle Jesse, and then his friend, Joey, the weirdo who lives in the basement, come and help him raise his kids. Yeah. Um, so there's a there's a lot of, like, dead... I guess it's a it's a very common trope. Net. Like, dead parents yeah. and dead relatives really, like, get, get that sympathy going. Or they it, just, like, like... greases you up. They just, like, don't address it, I feel like, sometimes, too. Because, like, what about... I don't... Like, Step by Step was a 90s sitcom that was kind of like a, a 90s version of the Brady Bunch, except for that like one of them had two boys and one girl and one of them had two girls and one boy rather yeah. than just like three girls with the I mom and three boys with the dad. I thought about step by step in 15 years. And I'm like, probably. did that did their spouses die or did they get divorced? Because divorce wasn't as much of a taboo in the 90s as it was in the 70s, right. I feel like. More um, and more people were doing it. <laughs> I, did, I really also liked that 
little sting in the movie where they were not sting, but where she was like, I hear yeah. that in, in 10 years, like, 50% of people are going to be divorced. She's like, I find that hard to believe. And I was like, little does she know. <laughs> <laughs> that felt very like, it very was such winking. A, like, like, yeah, uh, it was so much. It was uh, very obvious. It's the type of thing, and you see this in movies sometimes, it's the type of thing that nobody says. It's clearly a line that a, a modern writer, a then modern writer inserted as a big like. Eh. A cheesy joke like a cheesy yeah cheesy wink uh, like i say that you guys all the time. know how it is <laughs> you know like sometimes i'll be sitting with friends and i'll be like you know they say that uh in about 10 years we're all gonna be dead from uh nuclear war you're crazy like, right. that'll never happen never. <laughs> Cut to. but i heard it was the decline <laughs> of the environment oh my god no way <laughs> global warming what is what that? even is that <laughs> Huh, it's cold out. So much for global warming. I can't Am tell I you right? how many times I've heard that as an argument. It's like, that's not what it... That's not... No, you're an idiot. <laughs> you know, I could use some global warming. I've been in the snow for yeah, a while. Exactly. People uh, say such like that. I'm like, come on, man. That's why climate change is a better uh, better terminology for that. Yes. Anyway, uh, we get real no, here. No, no nuance. You can't, can't come here and bring nuance. <laughs> I'll need that. I'd like to imagine that there are like 10 climate change deniers that have been listening up till now having a really good time. Like that's it. And then we made that joke and they're I'm like, done. oh, unsubscribe. <laughs> <Yeah>. Right? <laughs> uh, it's like uh, that time we said cuck twice on a show. Oh, jeez. <laughs> we're, still, we're still losing that. Probably, yeah, Pro- we're probably. just emerging <laughs> followers. <laughs> Um, I don't know what side they're on. Uh, it's too nuanced. Unsubscribe. Um, all right. So there are a couple of things that are in my notes that I want to hit real quick. Um, one, this is of no importance at all. I just made a note of it. When they steal, when um, Chrissy's about to have her baby and they go and they jack the dude's limo, yeah. the driver's reading an issue of X-Force. That pleased me and I have nothing else to say about it. Yeah. Uh, the other thing is... Uh, so did you guys make much of anything at all about the name of their neighborhood, the Gaslight yeah. Edition? I, when I saw that on the sign when I rewatched it, I was like, hold up. That's weird. That like, because, uh, you know, nowadays, all this talk of people gaslighting people. It's well, like so a the phrase. thought that I had was, and I went, is this too deep and heady for this movie? But the thought that I had was in a movie that is so about nostalgia. Yeah. Is this some commentary on how, like, the American suburban dream is all a fantasy, a lie of sorts? I kind of felt like that, too, though. I was like, I mean, that would be, I feel like it would go over a lot of people's heads, especially because it's like a kid movie or like a young adult movie. We also feel like we weren't using, we weren't throwing that term around as much. Right, exactly. Because also mental health and like therapy and stuff wasn't as like, it was kind of still taboo, but it did feel like it was kind of like, yeah, not everything is as shiny and nice as you think it is because it's also like they're being told that their neighborhood is safe and nothing bad ever happens and they find out something really horrific happened and that's like the whole journey of the movie is I'm trying to find out why this kid died and it turns out he was like brutally murdered in right. his home. Um, so yeah, I do th- I do feel like there might be significance to that and that was just, even even if it went over people's heads, the writer was probably just like, I'm going to throw this in no, there. Right, but then like having that experience that essentially it's like shatters the facade yeah, that they've exactly. been living with. So like, yeah, yeah, and I thought that was a cool like, now, yes, by by hanging on the big close-up of that sign <laughs> for a couple of seconds, we're, like, we're hitting that pretty hard, but I actually thought, yeah, especially since 
you don't really hear, or maybe you do when I just spaced on it, but you don't really hear the neighborhood referenced by name too much after a certain point yeah. in the story. After the the gaslighting, the the fantasy aspect of it has been stripped away, you don't mm-hmm. hear it referenced as much. Yeah. So I thought that was interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so we're, we're getting close to that time, guys. Was there <laughs> anything you wanted to cover before we headed out? Hank Azaria is in this movie. Oh, yeah. And is great. Yeah, I love um, him. I love yes. him in everything, honestly. <laughs> Um, but he does that <laughs> that like chuckle really well. It was like nervous <laughs> laughter, and then when he's got the stuff in his teeth, it was so satisfying. <laughs> She's like, "You've got food stuck in your teeth," and he's like, "Oh God!" <laughs> but also, it's like that was pretty fast for the mom to move on from her husband leaving her. It was like a month. Yes, but you get lonely if you've been with someone for, for sure. A long time. But my main thought was, okay, ha- dating, sure introducing a date to your children mm-hmm. and he says at the time first date jitters when he spills the drink on himself and i'm like this is your first date you're introducing this man to your kids you're really banking on this working out for you and your husband just left you like a month ago like that seems crazy to me like because i feel like most parents would spend some time with a person to make sure it's going to go somewhere before they'd introduce their kids to that person Girl, it was the 70s oh no they were she was like this guy's going to be your new dad. Uh, First date. This no. is Hank Azaria, bitch. Yeah, he's going to do some voices for you. He's great with kids. He's and got the fact that, that she money. puts on <laughs> yeah. her ex-husband's shirt on him when he's feeling, and, ha- and, and she chooses a shirt that has his name sewn into it. Like, <laughs> that's yeah. so ridiculous to me. I'm like, this is a little much. Like, I know that it serves the purpose of Sam's character having the really emotional reaction, but I feel like, it was like a little overkill. Like we would have understood that she's putting on a shirt that belonged to her dad. It didn't have to say Ted on it, which by the way is my dad's name. So triggering for me. Oh, geez. <laughs> are you okay? I'm fine. It's fine. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> she just, she just started cutting into her. Oh, God. Where's the gong? Where the gong? <laughs> oh, and that's another thing I also related to. I wanted to talk about was the whole like, um, Roberta's character trying to make death funny thing like a kid dealing with that kind of trauma of losing a parent so young and, and trying to make a joke of death but it really just makes everybody else uncomfortable like mm-hmm. that was me a lot as a kid and an adolescent as well yeah mm-hmm. yeah that's me now <laughs> 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 I just love a good death joke oh uh, yeah <laughs> more like me <laughs> I feel less alone <laughs> I'll keep, I'll stay <laughs> Oh, man. Um, All right. So I'm wrapping this baby out. (laughs) Future Tari, start that music. Yo, thank you for joining us here on Missing Out. Teresa B. Can I? Where can the people find you? Okay, you can find me on social media at Bad Gal Tariri, like we said. But also, um, Red Carpet Comedy is a show I host. It is happening this Friday, December 1st at 1836 West Sunset Boulevard in Echo Park, Los Angeles. It's also my birthday celebration, so come and it's going to be super fun. Kate Berlan is headlining. Awesome. Is there like a Facebook page or like a... a social media that they can follow to get any additional information ask and answer any questions yes you can check out uh, us on facebook our page is red carpet comedy with the bateman cousins nice um and our instagram is red carpet comedy la Ooh. 
Um, it's a really fun show, guys. You guys do a band uh, every so often too, right? Yeah, we do. It's kind of a variety show. It's mostly stand up, but sometimes we have some sketch and some characters and some music. Okay, nice. Um, yeah, I've been to a couple of them. They're, they're super duper fun. Um, real chill vibe. It's like yeah. a. It's like it feels to me like a like a little mini party with comedy. Yeah, it's totally yeah. the vibe. Um, yeah, I like my party's miniature. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All the all the furniture is really tiny, and you have to like balance on it. It's cute. Um, uh, what about you, Lex? What about? I don't have any small furniture. Oh, if that's yeah. what you're asking. Come on. I, I thought you were a big wire fan. That guy used to to make tiny oh, furniture yeah. all the time. <laughs> he did it. Clark Clark Peters, who was also just was in also Three in, Billboards. Yes, Three Billboards. We established, great. we established before we started that you and I saw Lady Bird and Three Billboards uh, one after the other, like one day and then the other the next day, and it was the last On the same two days. days. Yeah. I was very excited. Also, in another weird bit of uh, synchronicity that has no real significance whatsoever, uh, I watched the Criterion Barry Lyndon. Uh, yesterday, after I saw Three Billboards, went Ooh. home, watched that, three hours long. Barry Lyndon is dope, if you haven't seen it. Uh, there's that scene with Teeny sitting on her roof watching uh, a movie at the drive-in, and it's Love Story with yeah. Ryan O'Neill. So that dude just kept kept popping up on my day yesterday. This doesn't mean anything, unless it does. <laughs> maybe there's a weird, there's some the Ryan O'Neill connection. trying to tell you something. Ryan O'Neill's my real dad. Yeah. <laughs> oh. I'm going to go find Ryan O'Neill. We've had a breakthrough. He's gonna teach me. He's gonna teach me how to drive. Oh no! (laughs) (laughs) Those dads all left. No, those dads all died. Ryan O'Neill left. Makes me sad. (laughs) He's got to teach me how to drive cars. Get out of here. Um, He's gotta throw ball with you. He gotta the other one that Ryan O'Neill did. We gotta (laughs) we gotta do a paper moon. I don't I don't know. Okay, where can they find you (laughs) on social media? Oh, that's right. <laughs> we were rapping. <laughs> ah, I am, oh boy, I am all over social media at the Lex Michael. Awesome. Uh, <laughs> and you can find me at Tari J. That's T-A-U-R-I-J-A-Y. Hey. And you can find us, us being Missing Out Podcast at Missing Outcast. That's M-I-S-S-I-N-G-O-U-T-C-A-S-T. Uh, and you can find us all over the uh, big iTunes, Google Play Store, Stitcher platforms. Um, so tell your friends if you love this show. Uh, if you have the chance, uh, go on to any of those platforms. Leave us a comment. Leave us a rating. It really helps us bubble to the top of the charts and other people find us so that they learn what they are missing out on. Uh, so once again, I'd really like to thank Teresa Bateman for joining us. Please attend her show. It's really fun. It's really dope. Um, and until next time, have a good one. Bye. Is that our sign off? Bye. Thanks for having me. Gong. (laughs) 